0: another week this is andrew wood executive director of hope resource center thank you so much for tuning in as we continue the conversation that we do every week i wasn't here last week you might not have noticed that but uh, i was in florida with thousands of others for uh, a conference put on by heartbeat international and that went uh, that went great we were uh, grateful to be there got some got an opportunity to speak uh, to some folks and, and connect with a lot of others and, and so just uh just honored to to be a part of that, and um, and man, there's there's so much going on. There's a lot of news that came out last week that we're going to cover today. Uh, specifically, what's going on in Washington D.C. with a whistleblower and uh, uh, some aborted babies, uh, and and so we're going to talk about that. We're we're also going to talk about something we don't typically talk about as much, but it is an image bearer issue. It is a Uh, an issue that deals with life and that deals with the care of children. And so uh, we're going to look at the Biden administration and kind of what they said uh, just a few days ago uh, about the issue of of trans uh, teens and kids uh, and the push that they're making and and the push that that it seems like our culture is making. And I think we need to address that and talk about it. And so a lot going on. But uh, but as always, we're going to talk about it. Here, So if you haven't heard these news stories, it's an opportunity for you uh, to get caught up. We're going to start first with a report by Live Action, liveaction.org. And I'm just going to tell you, look, if you go and find this report, there are some images in this report that are that are very graphic. And so if you if you are post-abortive, if you are, uh, I just want to prepare you. Uh, because I, I believe they are images that that folks need to see, uh, especially folks that that advocate for abortion. These are things that uh, that that abortion proponents need to uh, wrestle with. These are images they need to wrestle with when they say it's a blob of cells or a clump of tissue. Uh, see these images, and, and you can't say that. And, and so I will just say I'm not going to link to this in the. Uh, in the show notes or anything that once I post. Uh, but, but it is something that uh, we can't just let pass without addressing. And, um, and so here's the article over at Live Action. Physician experts have told Live Action News that five aborted children in a D.C. apartment appear to have been viable human beings, raising questions about potential legal and serious ethical violations by the abortion clinic. Um, a neonatal specialist told Live Action News that, that uh, this particular doctor said, I can say with confidence that these babies died at an age when they were viable, premature people. In her Friday morning comments, she noted that she was going to work in a NICU where she would care for little ones this size and age. During a Thursday press conference, D.C. police quickly dismissed the possibility that the babies experienced illegal abortions, but declined to comment further when asked by Live Action News. Although D.C. doesn't ban late-term abortions, medical professionals are still bound by federal laws which restrict the method of abortion and require life-saving care for infants born after botched procedures. Life-saving care is something Dr. Santangelo, who operates the facility where the discarded babies were discovered, has already said repeatedly that he either doesn't provide or avoid. A pro-life activist voluntarily informed the D.C. Homicide Unit of the babies. And surrendered them to authorities. Now it appears as if a whistleblower at the abortion clinic gave these remains to a pro life act- activist. So that's how this particular pro life activist got her hands on the remains. Details are forthcoming, but the progressive anti abortion uprising group to which the activist belongs believes the late gestational ages, as well as their apparent sustained injuries, potentially show violations of the Partial Birth Abortion Act, as well as the Born Alive Infants Protection Act. The group also announced that a funeral mass and naming ceremony was offered for the babies. Live Action President and Founder Lila Rose said in a response, the discovery of these bodies is horrific and disturbing evidence of the infanticide that may be occurring in this clinic within our nation's capital and indicative of the violence happening in abortion facilities nationwide. Now, I'm going to read some of about something about each of these babies. And the reason I'm going to do that is because these babies were discarded. These babies weren't seen as human. These babies weren't seen as image bearers. They weren't seen as anything like that. And, and so I think it's important that we, that we give them recognition. That, that we recognize they bear the image of God. That they have a Creator. Even though they were discarded and, and mistreated and their lives ended, they matter to us. So baby boy number one. Perhaps the largest and most developed baby was found uh, was a boy whose gestational age has been estimated to be around 28 to 32 weeks, well within the third trimester, past the point at which the majority of experts agree that preborn babies can feel pain. And beyond the point, many states have restricted abortions for medical and ethical reasons. For example, the Mississippi law that recently came before the Supreme Court limits abortions to just 15 weeks based on concerns surrounding fetal development, pain, and other factors. Again, photos and video of the first baby boy revealed that he remained largely intact, raising questions about how his life ended. He also has what appears to be a fully formed face, fingers, toes, and all the primary features normally visible in a newborn. Dr. Altman, a former abortionist who later became pro-life, told Live Action News that he appears to be in the third trimester near term and looks like he should have been in the nursery. Another doctor similarly said via email that this baby boy looks close to term gestation and pretty much intact, adding that she couldn't believe they would abort a nearly full term baby unless there was something terminally wrong with the baby. But it doesn't appear so. He's totally intact, but his skin is somewhat uh Different. In other words, it has begun to g- degenerate, which would indicate that he was probably dead when he was aborted or he is not well preserved. And they go further. Baby girl number one. Many of the baby's bodies show deep lacerations or other forms of damage that likely resulted from abortion procedures, inflicting significant trauma with deep pain prior to their deaths. One of the baby girls could be seen uh, with her eye open. And again, if you go and find this article, the images are brutal. Now, why are they brutal? They're brutal because abortion is brutal. There was another, there was a baby girl, number two, who it appears endured a unimaginably brutal procedure, was not fully intact. Baby X was found in the amniotic sac and could not have been born alive. The gender is unknown on this baby, but it can be seen. um, The baby can be seen in the sac. this, this This is hard to read. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to know what's going on. But but the reality is this is happening. If if you think that there's just five babies. That this occurred to in Washington, D.C., and that's the end of it. Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I'd be willing to say that, that what happened in Philadelphia with Kermit Gosnell a few years ago is happening a lot more often than we realize. The fact that these five babies, most of them fully intact babies, were discarded or, or not discarded, were, were saved, or I don't know where they were put, but, but a whistleblower got, got them to a pro-life activist. The fact that this happens in the freest country on the planet, what some would call the most progressive country on the planet, not in a political sense, but in terms of our freedoms. The fact that we have late-term abortions happening is, I mean, it truly is unbelievable. There's been images as of late of Ukrainian citizens that were handcuffed or tied and then executed by Russian military. And rightfully so, the world is up in arms about those images you think back to what happened uh, in slavery, when images came out of people with scars on their back, African Americans that had been tortured and brutally beaten. When those images were seen, it changed things. We see those images now, and we can't believe that we had a country that would do that to fellow man. When we think back to the Holocaust and when those images came out, and the mass graves and, and people being gassed and uh, people that were in concentration camps that that were just skeletons. They lost so much weight because they were being tortured and, and not fed. Those images crush us, and we can't believe that, that there was a time in our society around the world that those things were allowed. A few years back, we saw some uh, immigrants trying to uh, cross the water and there's an image that sticks out of a young boy laying on the shore dead and he's just a couple years old, fully dressed, and he's just laying on the sore on the shore. And he had drowned and, and he washed up. And those images anger us, frustrate us. And the media talks about it and the media gets been out of shape and they say, How dare you, how can we allow this to happen? And then you see these images of human beings, image bearers, babies, babies that that we celebrate with gender reveal parties, babies that we celebrate with baby showers, babies that we celebrate at the hospital, balloons on the mailbox. Yet these babies were discarded. Brutally had their life ended by doctors, people that we should be trusting, that swore an oath to do no harm. So they anger me, but I think the emotion that I feel the most is sadness. because if you if you show these images to abortion proponents they they're going to call you graphic and callous and but seriously they they should have to answer to what they're doing the world the public may say well it is a blob it's a clump it's not a human it's not fully formed you can't look at these images and say that As you're seeing the eyes and the nose and the lips and its fingerprints and toes. You can't say that. Look, I'm not calling for going and plastering these images everywhere. What I'm calling for is at some point we're going to have to look in the mirror as a society. Is this who we want to be known as? This is barbaric. This is something out of science fiction novels. This isn't something that should be coming out of the freest country on the planet. This isn't from a a country that's the shining city on the hill. And so excuse me if I have trouble with folks to say, we got to welcome everybody. We need to open our borders. We need to defend the refugees. We need to put troops into Ukraine. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to stop climate change. We need to fight COVID. We need to do all these things. Excuse me if I struggle with taking you seriously when you allow for this to happen. You can't say that that certain lives have value when you devalue life at this stage. You can't. You can't. If you believe that science is the answer to all, and we should trust the experts, then, then what does science say about these lives? Because science does say that they are humans. Now, the question is, what are we going to do with it? Is this going to motivate us to do anything? I pray it does. We'll be back. So as we continue the conversation, the the first segment, look, there's a lot uh, to unpack with what we're seeing out of D.C. and and. You know five babies uh, being handed over to authorities and, and the frustrating thing is the medical examiners already come out and said there will be no autopsies. Now think about that. Now, why would they do that? They're doing that because they don't want to find anything that's going to harm abortion. if they if they keep keep this in the front and in in people's minds, then people more people may see those images, and they know those images are going to harm their movement. They know if they come out and say in this D.C. abortion clinic they were providing partial birth abortions, which it is clear, at least in a couple of those abortions, that that's what it was. I've seen a partial birth abortion. Not, uh, It's not something that uh, that I want to see. It's something that I had to see so that I could speak on this issue that matters to us. And it is barbaric. And so when we see these things occur, you, you got to pay attention to what's happening. And what's happening is no investigation. What's happening is uh, no autopsies. Because they don't want to know. They don't want to dig. Yet they call pregnancy centers uh, bad and say that we manipulate people. You know what's never been found at a pregnancy center? A dead baby. see, they, they call me extreme for being pro-life in every scenario. Yet, you know, snipping the spinal cord of a baby is not extreme, I guess. Give me a break. And So that's what's happening in D.C. Now I want to uh, look at what's happening out of this uh, administration in, in the White House. I mean, we have seen uh, Joe Biden has gone from someone that, that claimed marriage was between one man and one woman. He claimed most traditional values. He is a practicing Catholic. He is for the bulk of his career, said that he was personally pro-life. For the bulk of his career, he has been for the Hyde Amendment. For the bulk of his career, he has been against uh, tax dollars being used for abortions. For the bulk of his career, he's been for some type of restrictions when it comes to abortion. And then he wins the Democratic primary, becomes president, and all those things go away. The traditional values go away. Uh, his stance on abortion uh, becomes non-existent, and now he's for tax dollars paying for abortion. Uh, he he and, and now he's showing his extreme opinion when it comes to uh, the transgender issue. And this is from The Daily Wire. It says, early transgender surgeries, hormone treatment, and affirmations are crucial for the health of kids and teens, who identifies transgender and non-binary. This is what President Joe Biden's administration said in a press release last week. The White House flagged a resource from the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health on Transgender Day of Visibility intended to inform parents and guardians, educators, and other persons supporting children and adolescents with information on what is gender-affirming care and why it is important to transgender, non-binary, and other gender-expansive young people's well-being. Gender-affirming care is a phrase used by transgender activists and media to mask the more grisly-sounding transgender top and bottom surgeries, including removing a biological woman's breast uh, or uh, male genitalia, sculpting, a, and, and so on. Social affirmation, puberty blockers, and hormones also fall under the gender-affirming care umbrella. Commentators, lawmakers, people who identify. As transgender and people who formerly attempted transitions have expressed grave concerns about encouraging children or young people to explore transitions of any kind. Gender affirming care is a supportive form of health care. The Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health sheet says it consists of an array of services that may include medical, surgical, mental health and non-medical services for transgender and non-binary people. For transgender and non-binary children and adolescents, early gender-affirming care is crucial to overall health and well-being as it allows the child or adolescent to focus on social transitions and can increase their confidence while navigating the healthcare system, the White House messaging says. Transgender surgeries, hormones, and affirmations are important, the White House claimed, because these procedures have been shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children and adolescents. Gender-affirming care is patient-centered and treat individuals holistically, aligning their outward physical traits with their gender identity. The White House messaging sheet continued. The White House did not immediately respond to requests for comments. The messaging comes amidst a national controversy over whether children should be able to obtain such procedures. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott has drawn heavy fire for calling transgender treatments for children child abuse. On d Awareness Day in early March, people who formerly began tra- gender transition procedures flooded social media with their D-Transition stories, sharing stories of depression, anxiety, and fear. Twitter users who spoke out said that they began taking testosterone as soon as they turned 18. These users, many of whom are biological women, described how they did not feel that they fit in in high school or middle school and sought to find answers on the Internet. One person said this, I started taking testosterone at 18 because I was tired of not fitting in with other girls. So I thought I'd make it a better man instead. Allie, who did does not use her last name to preserve her privacy, told the Daily Wire at the time that there's a big problem right now with how hormonal therapy is given as a rush treatment for gender dysphoria in young people. And the article goes on and on and on. Here's the thing, folks. Look, again, if we're going to claim to be the most progressive society the world has ever seen, it doesn't mean that we can just change everything and that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and that, that a pregnant woman is no more. It's now pregnant people or pregnant person. We can't start saying things like people have periods, not women. I mean, th- this is the, the, the language that is being used across the board. I'm going to give you some information about me. When I was 15 years old, my mom was out of town. And I went with a buddy of mine and his mom to get my ear pierced. I was 15. And you know what? I had to have a parent's signature to get my ear pierced. If I wanted a tattoo before I was 18, I had to get a parent's signature. If you want to join the military before you're 18, you're not allowed. If you want to smoke cigarettes... You cannot, unless you're 18, purchase those. If you want to drink alcohol, you cannot, unless you're 21, purchase that. You want to drive a car, you can't do it until you're 16 and you receive your driver's license. You can get a permit, and guess what? Ride with a responsible driver, your parent, or a guardian. Yet the White House, the administration of the freest world, the freest country on the planet, is saying that kids kids should be able to transition is is that the message we want to send is that the direction we want to go that your little girl can come up to you and say I think I'm a boy and you go okay we're going to put puberty blockers we're going to give you the hormones we're going to give you all those things look I'm not saying to to not you know, if, 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 a, if a child of yours wants to have a conversation or they're struggling, we live in a broken world. There's some struggles, no doubt. You address those. But the answer cannot be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you puberty blockers. I'm going to put you on testosterone. It can't be. But we live in a society now where, where parents are almost eager. Eager. To let that be their narrative and their story. Look, if you think about what's happened in Florida, and and I'm sure you heard on the news, it's the don't say gay bill. That's nowhere in the legislation. All it's saying is we're we're not going to teach about uh, these topics. And sexual activity and gender issues of the day with little kids in elementary school. Why why is that so far-fetched? And then you hear teachers say, but but I want to be up front with my students and tell them about my partner and tell them about my life outside of school. I never had a teacher do that. It's been 20 years since I graduated high school. For many of that, I didn't know who my teacher lived with, what their marital status was, what any of that was. Because guess what? They were teaching me math. They were teaching me science, biology, history. Their home life, their sex life was none of my business. And now all of a sudden we live in a time where that is the business of the student? No. This is an image-bearer issue. Look, we, we live in a broken world, so some people, some folks are struggling. Maybe they are struggling with gender dysphoria. Maybe they are struggling with their sexuality. Maybe they are struggling with these things. They don't need hormones and puberty blockers. They need counseling. They need people to have conversations with them and not see them as an experiment. And and so what do we do? I think the bulk of the populace agree with this sentiment. I think the bulk of the populace is uh, agrees that if, if there's a sport, men should play against men and women should play against men, women like that. We've all known that and agreed to that. And then here in the last five or so years, we've seen a complete uprising And a lot of people were taken aback by it and taken off guard and didn't know how to respond. Well, if I respond, I'm going to be canceled. I might lose my job. might lose your job for something that has been known and understood since the beginning of time. So is God-fearing people as believers... We should be praying through this, prepared for conversations. Because if these things are happening at a young age, what happens when these folks turn 19, 20, 21 years old? And they go, what have I done? There's no going back. What do I do now? And if our message to them is, oh, no, that that's who you are. Embrace everything that you are, that is anti-gospel. I don't want to embrace who I am. Who I am apart from Christ is a fallen human being destined for hell. If I embrace that, that's a problem. And so when when society and culture says be happy in your own skin, be be who you were who, were you or, uh, who you are and, and whatever your feelings are, just go after it or do what makes you happy. Where does that end? Where does it end? And so it's not surprising to me that if you think about what we talked about in the first segment and the devaluing of a, of a baby in the womb and the discarding of those babies, that because we have that warped, warped view of a human, then that warped view affects the way we are and the way our society sees an elementary kid and a teenager and a young adult. You see, that warped view is gonna be the narrative. We devalue life in the womb. That warped view continues. We devalue the life of elementary school kids. We devalue the life of adolescents. We devalue the life of young men and women. We devalue the life of middle-aged men and women. And then guess where we get to? Doctor-assisted suicide. We devalue the life of the elderly or terminally ill. We devalue the life of the handicapped. We devalue life of those that, that are mentally challenged. We devalue the life of every human being because we started in the womb by devaluing Life at its earliest stage. Is that where we want to be? Is that the direction our society needs to go? Of course not. There's much work to be done. We'll be back. The the As we continue the conversation, you know, the first two segments pretty heavy, right? Um, pretty heavy to to deal with and, and to discuss and, and to look at where uh, where our country is going. Um, and, and so, as we think about that, I, I do want to think about some some positive things. I don't want you, I don't want this show to just be woe is me, Sky is falling, uh, we're doomed. Um, it's not that at all. Look, this goes back to I spoke last week in in Florida, and and part of what I said was the already and not yet. I mean, we we live in the already, the promises that God has laid out for us, but we long for the not yet. So there's many blessings in the already. There's people that walk in the doors of Hope Resource Center that choose life. That's the already, the the beautiful thing that God has given a glimpse of for us. The already of, of... a prodigal son that returned home. Of of being cancer free. Of having a child. Of getting married. All those are beautiful blessings. But, we, but even in already we have some brokenness, right? We have people in our lives that, that they don't beat cancer. And cancer takes their life. Their marriage falls apart. Their kids run away. We, we deal with a lot of loss in the already as well, but that makes us long for the not yet, the day that, that, that Jesus would come back. The day that, that every tear would be wiped away, that abortion would be gone, that cancer would be gone, that all the ills that, that breaks this world would be gone. We, we long for the not yet. And so there's hope in that. And so I don't want you to hear me on this show just talking about all the negative, all the terrible things. Uh, There's a lot of good things happening. Look, even in that first segment about uh, those babies out of D.C., the positive thing to note is there was a whistleblower that that handed those babies off to someone that could get them to the authorities. Now, I don't know what's ultimately going to happen with all that, but there was somebody within that abortion clinic that, that was moved enough to do something. And if they were working in that abortion clinic, they would typically, I'm assuming, be pro-abortion. But something they saw, something they they uh, witnessed, prompted them to go, this isn't okay. People need to know about what's happening here. And I hope we see some interviews of that person in the coming days. And then that that the activist was able to hand those babies over to the authorities. Now, look, they may not do anything. They may not investigate. They may not do autopsies. But but the people that have handled these humans, these lives, are going to be forever changed because of it. So what are they going to do with that? How do they wrestle with that? Is somebody that, that came across that article who was... An abortion proponent read that article and see those images and go, oh, my gosh, what am I supporting? I hope that's the case. I know that'll be the case for some. It's the same reason why we open every day at Hope Resource Center. And you know, We're celebrating our 25th year of service this year. Going to be having a banquet real soon, April 28th. Mark your calendar. Sign up at InvestingHope.com if you haven't already. Host a table. Come see us. It's going to be a great night. We're going to share uh, testimony from from a patient. It's a beautiful story of what God did in their life. I'm going to talk about the work of hope in the past, present, and in the future. And uh, We're just looking forward to connecting with folks because I want you all to know that I talk about the issues that I talk about on this show because I want you to be aware of what's happening around you. And I get it. A lot of people aren't Googling abortion articles and, and trying to see what's happening around the state or the country or the world. And so I want to do that for you. You can come here once a week, listen, and you can get the news of the day when it comes to abortion and life and what's happening. And what's happening when we talk about image bears. But I don't want you to, to feel like, woe is me. We're not winning. We're, we're all moving in the wrong direction. We're on the cusp of an amazing, amazing opportunity with Supreme Court and the Dobbs case out of Mississippi, what we've seen out of Texas with the the abortion restrictions there. We're on the cusp of something beautiful. And And, and if you watch what's happening, if you watch what's happening in the abortion movement, they are preparing as if they know Roe is about to be overturned. Now, that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. I believe it is, but it may not. But if you just watch what they're doing, they believe that it's about to be overturned. They're making decisions and moves as if it's going to go back to the states. That's why you're seeing the laws out of New York and and, uh, Maryland and all these places. They're starting to make moves. That's why you see California saying, we are going to be a sanctuary for abortion. You're seeing these folks make these moves because they believe that Roe is about to be overturned. That's a good thing. That doesn't mean it's over. You know, we talked about it multiple times on this show, but the currently roughly 53% of all abortions are done via abortion pill. And so what happens is they take one pill and then they follow that pill up with another pill the next day or so. And it, uh, the first pill is what, ends the life or what they would say creates a miscarriage. And then the second pill uh, is supposed to remove the baby from the womb. And so because we we see that, what we know is if Roe is overturned, the trajectory is going to shift. It's going to go from 53% to probably 70% in the next five or 10 years. 70% of all abortions will be via pill. Now, why is that? It's because we've moved over the last two years, the FDA and the administration has made it easier to receive the abortion pill. And so, again, they're laying the groundwork. They're creating a new framework to say, regardless of where you live, if you can get the abortion pill over the Internet, Then you can live anywhere, even in a state that doesn't allow abortions, because it's going to be awfully hard to police and to legislate what gets sent to you in the mail. And so if if Roe is overturned in Tennessee is one of the states that says no abortions here, but you live in the state of Tennessee, it's going to be fairly easy to get abortion pill via the mail. Now, we're going to attempt to legislate that. We're going to attempt to police that, but that's not going to be easy. And then so what some folks may do is go, well, I'll just drive to the border of my state and I'll meet an abortion doctor in a mobile unit and they'll provide me an abortion. So all these things are happening. But the reality is the fact that we're even having that conversation means. That at the very least, Roe is on its way out. And we know even in Texas. We saw a massive decrease of abortions in Texas, but we did see an increase in bordering states because people were going to another state, which further proves the point that I talked about on this show that that people are mobile. And so the abortion industry has argued for a long time that that's a uh, undue burden on a woman to, to have to go to another state or or drive hours or fly somewhere to get an abortion. But the reality is we're a mobile society. It's not that difficult. It's the same thing if you're going to have knee surgery or something going on. You may get a number of different doctors and you may end up getting that in another state. Why? Because you want to take the time to do that. So women are going to do the same thing when it comes to abortion. But as we move forward, just because Roe is overturned doesn't mean it's over. But what it does mean is we are moving in the right direction. We are moving in the right direction when it comes to celebrating life and ending the barbaric Uh, procedures that we see in front of us and so yeah it may go back to the states and there'll be some states that'll be abortion havens but the reality is the fact that we could have certain states in this country where abortion is not celebrated where abortion is not allowed that's a positive direction and i hope that's where we're going to be heading this summer we'll see we'll talk to you more in a sec So as we finish up today, I do want to, again, encourage you to go to our website, investinghope.com. We'd be grateful to see you at the banquet coming up to celebrate 25 years in the work of Hope Resource Center. Uh, Again, investinghope.com, a banner will pop up. You can sign up there. You can host a table, all those things. We would love to have you join us at the press room, April 28th. As we we finish up today, I I do want you to understand there is – there, there's a lot going on in our country when it comes to life and when it comes to uh, the ending of life. And uh, and there's all these mixed uh, messages. So we, we see a mass shooting and we say every life matters and we need to we need to do all we can. We see a pandemic hit and we say, you know, even if we can save one life, that it's all worth the effort Uh you know, we see what's going on in Ukraine and, and we say we need to do everything we can. We see all these images. We see we see everything that's happening. And then when we see what's happening inside of an abortion clinic, it's crickets. Now, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be concerned about that. Why? Like, this is happening, folks. Close to 3,000 abortions every day. Like, it's happening. And at some point, we're going to have to wake up to it. At some point, we're going to have to hold politicians accountable. At some point, we're going to have to hold uh, courts accountable for what they're allowing, hold ourselves accountable. Yeah, I left the house this morning and I told my my little girl, she's six, Evelyn, she's got a sweet, sweet sweetheart, and I told her, I said, I love you. I'll see you later. And she said, I love you more. Now have I taught her to say I love you more? Or is it just the the love that she feels? Look, you can you can love your kids and have tough conversations with them. You can love your kids and discipline them. You can love your kids and uh, be honest with them. And we should. But man, there's nothing greater than that blessing. And we have a society that are telling women that there's nothing greater than you. You climbing up the career ladder. There's nothing greater than you doing X, Y, or Z. You don't have to be a mom right now. We have we have degraded moms instead of saying it's one of the the best things ever. We have told women that it holds you back. That's not true. And so, what's the message that we have for the culture and society as Christians? What's the message that we have? The message should be that life is precious. If you haven't seen that over the last two years, that life is precious, then then I don't. Your your eyes have been closed. When you see those images of of what's happening in Ukraine, life is precious. When you see a a result of a mass shooting, we're reminded that life is precious. And when we see those images of those aborted babies in Washington, D.C., it should tell us that life is precious and we must do more to preserve it. At its earliest stage, when that baby should be most protected, our culture allows for the ending of that life. That's not who we need to be. So make a difference in somebody's life today. Love somebody well. Pray for the folks that are uh, that are struggling around you. Pray for our nation and our leaders. And let's get after it. We'll talk to you next week.